Welcome back oh, to... I didn't hit the Holy button yet. I didn't fuck. give you the finger. God damn it. You're up. Welcome back to KafaroCast, everybody. Frank here with Aaron across from me, and we have a very special guest, the second most famous Moss, <laughs> Randy Moss being number one. <laughs> we got Doyle Moss from Moss Back Outdoors. What's up, right? man? Yep. Did I get it all right? Yeah, yeah. you did. Damn. I never thought of that. You are probably the second most famous Moss. <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from me, but Randy is pretty famous. Yeah, he is. There's a funny story about that. Um, down there on the Ponsagot one time, um, one of my guides come up to me and somebody says, hey, did you guys hear who's here? And he goes, who? He goes, Randy Moss is here. And uh, it was really me, but they just had the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Well, pretty much everybody in the outdoor industry is, is heard of you. Um, you're pretty much well, you're well known for, you guys are taking down probably North America, the biggest animals every year per species for the most part of what you go after. Um, were you involved in that bull that Jimmy John just shot? I was not. Was uh, a couple it? of my friends had okay. hunted that bull down and killed it. But. Yeah, that one was a big one. But you've, uh, well, you've shot so much shit that's giant. I can't even remember it all. But was a, the spider bull was one that I remember stuck out. You were involved in that one. But what's your biggest elk and mule deer that you were involved in? Uh, spider bull is the biggest elk. You know, it's still the world record. It's 508 SCI. And That's it? Insane. <laughs> right up 500. It's like a tree root growing yeah. out of its head. It's only twice the size of the last bull I killed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> what about mule deer? Uh, mule deer was probably uh, last year we killed a, a buck that was about 313. And it was, wasn't even a cactus buck. It was just a true true giant giant frame and lots of big extras so it's a very special animal to walk up to the last couple of years i can't yeah i can't imagine i speaking of like the cactus bucks one thing i was trying to explain to people that uh the 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 the, the, the buck that got killed in the wilderness here was was a cactus buck like it was <laughs> i think people thought they were going to go run in there because what that score 347 you know which one i'm talking about um the most recent record most recent from world record two years ago yeah two years ago um it was three yeah 47 it was a wilderness buck no shit but and wasn't it a, a cactus kid, buck a kid killed it no, no um he's probably 35 40 years old oh um, yes yeah he was from utah yeah oh yeah he's yeah. a he, good he's a friend of ours yeah um, great hunter the only thing that irritated me is he'd ran kafaru forever and Kindle card from Black Ovis made him throw a mystery ranch on to pack out. The, I could have beat the shit out of both of them. I'm like, dude, you're bait because he he's killed some big deer. That yes, guy. he's a very good hunter. Um, but we never get anything out of it because he he's unknown. He doesn't want anybody to know what he's doing. The one time, the one time we would have got some publicity. Kindle had him throw a mystery ranch on. I was pissed. But dad, that buck that it's a Gordon buck is what they call it. Giant. But I was trying to explain to people that. It was a cactus buck. That is not a normal a deer. A true, what'd you say, 313? Correct. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Um, I think the largest probably deer I've seen, which was, you photograph over at the rock, at the arsenal here, yeah. don't you? Yeah, every once in a while, we'll There's some make a run there. through there. Yeah, yeah. yeah great like, place. I'd like to hunt that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, everybody would. There's a, a guy here, it's funny, um, we've had him on the podcast. Uh, you, you probably know him. Um, the big dude. What the hell was his name? Nestor's buddy. 
uh, Drummond? Drummond, Lindsay. You sure. know Drummond? Yes. Yeah, that little asshole. He takes photos and acts <laughs> like he's photographing them in the wild off the, I know. off of the, <laughs> over at the do you yeah. know that? Because he, yeah, I'm well, sure you do. Yeah. He'll get us wound up for a couple months and he says, oh, by the way, it's at the arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I photograph out there. So the first time he sent me one, I'm like, dude, that buck's at the arsenal. I just took a picture of that thing. And he was like, oh, yeah, haha, just kidding. I'm like, you son of a bitch. But yeah, the, uh, how many, I mean, each year, how you've got what, 50, 60 guides? How many guys are helpers? I mean, I don't know what you actually call them. I guess they're little scouters, helpers. How many guys you got running with you? Yeah, probably 50 to 60 with Arizona and Nevada and uh, our big crew in Utah. But, uh, yeah, they all, they're not just, you know, part-timers. I mean, they kind of are part-timers, but, I mean, they work exclusively for Mossback, and they all have a, you know, a hunter they're either spotting for or guiding for. So they're all hardcores and know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So how much hate do you get with what you do? Because I – uh I've heard stories, you blocking roads, all kinds of, all kinds of crap. And I ran into three of your guys or they, you know, that's the other thing. Fuck. Who even knows if they worked for you? They might've just said that, but I think they were scouting here. <laughs> um, but I, how much hate do you get with what you do? Cause nobody's going to be this successful and not, not have somebody pissing on them. Has it been bad or it's, it was brutal then, you know, from 2000 on, yeah. probably till the last couple of years, it's really tapered off. But I mean, I mean, just unbelievable. The hate mail, hate emails, <laughs> life threats to me and my family. It was, uh, it was way out of control, especially when we, you know, 2004 to 2010, we killed all those giant bulls and yeah. it was brutal and we were blocking every road and, uh, it's, uh, it was, it was pretty sad. I mean, we just loved what we did. Yeah. And uh, we had goals, and we was reaching those goals and pissing everybody off. But, yeah, my, <laughs> my, my guides know they block a road, man, they ain't working for this company. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I, you know, be, being realistic, and actually as I've gotten more known in the outdoor industry how much shit I hear about myself that's not true. And then I hear about it, I'm like, well, that's disconcerting, but also impossible. You wouldn't be able to keep doing what you're doing if you're blocking roads because you probably have a target on your head anyway, and that's that's a ticket. Um, Absolutely. So some of that stuff is common sense because I had heard that 10 years ago. Um, and you don't mess around in Colorado very much, right? So I don't, you know, it's not. You're, Just gov tags over here. But. Yeah, yep. And uh, and those were the guys they said that was the governor's tag that whatever. And they were cool. We just bullshitted. And I was hunting deer anyway. I didn't care what they were doing. So, but. <laughs> The, the reality of um, certain things you hear about people in the industry, if you were doing that, you, you would have only, a, You'd only last a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you would have citations. Yeah, tickets that's what and, I'm saying. Yeah. We have to have Forest Service and BLM permits, state land permits, wherever we go. I mean, it would have been over. Mm-hmm. We'd be cited so many times. But we have a, a squeaky clean record for as many hunters as we take in all these states. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have one violation through the Department of Wildlife either. No, you? Yeah. no. I mean, it's just, it's, you, lose, you lose everything. Pretty impressive considering how long did you say you've been doing it? That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, we started the, uh, the guiding business in 2000. We started a production company in 97. So, yeah, I mean, the only, the only, there has been a couple of, you know, issues. Yeah. A couple oh, yeah. of bulls have died in the road mm-hmm. and blocked the road. <laughs> yeah. But as far as vehicles, no. I mean, and we even we even log those cases that the bull is dead in the road and the road would be blocked for a little while. But no, it's uh, 
We just tried to do it right, but there's a lot of people that, uh, you know. Haters going to hate. Haters going to yeah. hate. Yeah, no, we're dealing with that, you know, as we grow. Absolutely. Uh, um, and there's nothing. I got pretty thick skin. I The only problem I have, you know, I'm a pretty polarizing personality. So if you don't like me, you probably got a pretty good reason, and I'm totally okay with that. But sometimes you hear shit that's so off the wall, and I'm like, how could you even come up with that? Like, that's, you know whatever that may be. And the only thing I'd heard really with you was the block and the roads. And honestly, initially I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. And then I was like, <laughs> you know, if he actually was doing that, you wouldn't have a job. Yeah, like would, I started thinking about it. I'm like, how the hell would as well known as you are? Cause you gotta have a target on your back anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure they're looking for you. And I, I, I bet that was literally probably 2007 or eight. That was mm -hmm. so, yeah, you've been at it a long, a long time. And you said it was bad from 2004 on. Yeah, just immediately in 2000, we killed um, some giant animals. In 2002, we killed the state record, and then from then, it was just all downhill. Yeah. I mean, one state record after another, and then the world records, and then we would go into Nevada. We started killing the top bulls in Nevada, and, uh, you know, it just it just got deeper. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, we, we have an amazing clients and amazing guides that work for us and just top-notch people. It's amazing that somebody back on the east coast uh, listening to these people that actually think you know they're successful people and think that we're actually breaking these laws and just getting away with it and i could say for a fact that um you have to shit gold anymore because they're looking for you and i'm not saying for all the game wardens listening and i'm not saying anything bad about game wardens i just had heard something else that we supposedly were teaching people how to break the law on a podcast that makes no sense what like podcast was that I don't, well, it's a good question. I, I was like, what the hell are you talking? <laughs> like if I, I'm a better criminal than that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it in front of 9 million people. Right. But Did you just say allegedly before. Yeah. That's all you got to say. Right. Allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> um, but you know, it, as like with the podcast and things grow, the other deal is you hear, like, you guys use private public, everything you use, everything. whatever it takes. And that is one argument I got into a guy in a hunting camp with in Canada. I was like, look, not all big animals live on private land. Some do. I mean, it's, it's certain times of year they'll get pushed onto private land. And I obviously, I don't hang out in your neck of the woods where you're at, but uh, you guys go wherever is legal and wherever it takes. And sometimes that is on public land, which we don't want to talk about that too much because then everybody's going to be running around on public land in your neck of the woods. But, um, well, the Gordon Buck, that's public land, um, yeah, 347. I mean, they do live there, um, but people i think naturally everything you're doing like i've heard of like high fence right a lot of your animals are high fence and i'm like guys come <laughs> you would know people would know there's no to what you cannot hide that shit um from the, any nowadays their technology how much has technology changed since you started this oh it's, it's uh unbelievable with the trail cameras and just the uh, social media i mean and these kids if you're good at it, you're just surfing social media and seeing yeah. what's happening. <laughs> but uh, probably 80% of our company is built on public land, competing yeah. with everybody else and hunting those giant animals with everybody else. So, I mean, it's not all this private stuff, and it's definitely not high-fenced. I mean, you know, you know, the spider bull, for instance, they said, hey, you know, we brought it in. Well, if we brought it in, why would we turn it out where everybody and their dog could have seen it all summer? Yeah, I heard that same story, and I'm like, wasn't it living in the wild for quite some time? Right. That would make no—you would have let it out the day before season, not—because they'd had 
uh, three four months there was people oh yeah it was funny was it monster muleys which is the basically the bane of everything i fucking hate that website because i mean it, it was brutal i remember and i'm thinking at first i was like yeah they i mean i'm being honest first thing i thought it was they probably did and then there was photos of it from like months prior and i'm like well he's not very smart if he did because he <laughs> everybody could have shot it was right. the was the thing so yeah because it mean, was that bull lived through all of the archery hunt um we missed it in between the archery and the first rifle hunt and then it lived through all of the rifle hunt but didn't a bow hunter miss it too um i i didn't hear that a bow hunter missed it well, I had a, there was a guy defending you. Uh, this is when I was on forums that was like, hey, my buddy missed it. This wasn't, if it was dumped off, it was dumped off early because oh, yeah. they had missed it in bow season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it, was, nothing negative towards you. They were just like, like hey, we, we Lifelong regret. Yeah. <laughs> that bull, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it at the expo, I think. Oh, it's ridiculous. Your booth is hard to go into because if you think you're a good hunter, you feel <laughs> yeah. immediately like you shrivel up because you're like, Jesus Christ, these animals are huge. But a lot of some of those are governor's tags. I mean, you get involved in everything. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's what's uh, special about Utah and Colorado has a few of them over here. But it's that conservation program in Utah is unbelievable how much money we raise and how much money we bring to Utah by getting these hunters to buy these tags and just put more money and product back on the ground for yeah. everybody to enjoy. Oh yeah. Yeah, the the Western Hunt Expo is it is crazy how how big that is and it's also where a redneck normal dude can have a realistic chance of getting a tag cuz you guys raffle off so many tags. Exactly. Which is, which is cool. I've only been there a couple times. I uh I uh between the bedazzled pants and the flat brims, I'm running, but I, <laughs> <laughs> and the bullets. I'm going to get hate mail from that, but it is a good, it is a good deal. Um, so with, you're also into photography quite a bit. What kind of, I'm, I'm going to get this question. So what kind of camera gear are you using? I shoot Canon. I shoot, uh, the Canon 1DX right now. I, or I ordered the new mirrorless R5, I believe it is. Here's your pack. Um, shoot a 600 millimeter. Yeah. Canon lens. Yeah, that's a good system. My my buddy, who's a wildlife photographer, um, when I was we were comparing it because I had the the Nikon six hundred, they're equally heavy. Um, but that with the one DX, um, I'm kind of curious how you. I bet you fall in love with the mirrorless. Other than it's literally like attaching, I don't know, a cell phone to a four by four that's eight feet long because you got this tiny body. But right. Frank and I both have run mirrorless off and on for four years now, five. Isn't it, isn't it weird not to hear the shutter? You know, not now. Um, there's a lot of things weird with it. One, do not change your lens and lens in the wind because there is nothing covering the sensor. I oh, mean, really? it is exposed. You'll you're gonna want to get one of those gummy pins to roll shit off your sensor because it's. I made the mistake of you get a lot of dirty sensors. You got to clean, but I it's hard now backpack hunting because they take such great film. You know, they're good film, but right. it's just smaller. And then. Mine's 14 frames per second. I think the Canon beat the, mine was like, the, the R4 was the, the monster, and I think yours is even faster. So what's nice, I guess, really is, well, I'm shooting between 50, 60 in raw, 50 and 60 megabyte photos. So that'll suck up a oh, hard, yeah. hard drive quick. Yeah. The thing is, it's nice, it's in low light, and you can torque them in post-processing. So you can make a, especially on wildlife, and if you're trying to score one, you know, when you 
I'm sure you like I was trying to explain like sometimes with big horns if you bump the contrast you're not sure how old it is you can make the annual life pop out a little bit better to confirm well if you got 60 megabytes to deal with you can do a lot of torquing on that photo and that Canon is as I understand it better or as good as what I'm running I mean they when they came out they didn't they didn't fuck around when they right. came out with that one how much how much is that thing have you looked yeah, it's um thirty nine hundred. Yeah, same as basically everything yeah. else. So it was funny how many of my friends they sold all their Canon stuff to go to that Sony, Sony. mirrorless, and then all of a sudden Canon comes out with it. So they're like, "Shit, yeah." The thing with Canon is the lenses. The lenses are there's well, there are some of the the Sony Zeiss that are comparable or as good or better, and and depend, arguably. The thing is, though, with you can run any Canon lens, as I understand it, on that mirrorless. So if you have an arsenal of 20 years of lenses, where for me, going to Sony, they bridged up. I started off with okay lenses, and I had to keep buying them to where now I have a good arsenal. But I had to rebuild everything. Yeah. So I was I was lucky enough, though. With, what are you thinking, Frank? Not cheap. Hell no. Well, we get... I, I'm more involved in social media, so I do a lot of Q and A's. But the funny thing is, is hey, I've got 500 bucks. What camera should I get to do wildlife? And uh, you know, I'm like, dude, the body of my camera is 3,800 bucks. Mm-hmm. The lens, that 600 millimeter lens, is like 18,000, 12,000. Right. I'm like, you might be able to buy a lens cap. You know, I, <laughs> like it's not yeah. a cheap hobby, right? No. I mean, you you could I, a lot of guys now anymore. I'm like, man. Use your phone. Use like, your phone. Yeah. If you're going to spend three, four hundred bucks, my iPhone takes Phone and a phone scope or something. Yeah. Phone scope and your phone and your golden. But I mean, it's surprising. And, you know, I, I want all my guides to have a phone scope because um, I want to know yeah. what they're seeing. But I redneck it. You're going to laugh at mine. I hold it up to it like <laughs> an idiot. It's bad. It's an art. Yeah. <laughs> it is an art. But uh, yeah, I mean, all I want to do is see what they're seeing, and I don't, you know, they don't need to spend twenty, thirty thousand on cameras. And at that distance, I mean, the phone's perfect. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm gonna pull up. It's funny. Uh, some of the photos here, as you can imagine, of uh, you know some of the different. We're taking them out of the car, so like <laughs> some of the different bigger animals. That's another thing. I think people think some of the larger animals that are photographed are are wild, and in our case here. They'll never be hunted. They don't. Now, yours may be different, but like around here, which I'm not going to list, you know, all of the different animals. But, you know, there's a pile like that. That's from my truck. Right. And in the rut. And we get, um, you know, quite a few photos like that that are um, this one. I wish you could kill it. I'm going to zoom in on that. So actually, out of what do you think that scores? We need a wow. We need a season here in, in Colorado, like Salt Lake has the front country. We need yeah. our we, we need our own front country here. You guys should do that. Why don't you push? I yeah, no kidding. How hard is it to make changes with the fishing game here? I uh, you probably have a better luck riding a unicorn talking to Jesus uh, all at one time. I yeah, um, I don't think that would fly around these parts. So, what do you think that scores? He looks like probably like a two fifteen type deer. Oh, yeah, we, it's funny how. Uh, talk about that since you're one of the only guys that does put animals down that big how often do you look on social media and see like a 165 buck proclaimed as a 190 (laughs) well it happens every day (laughs) so to hit 190 um so some of the different like people you know scoring mule deer and i was the same when i was younger i didn't school i just pulled shit out of my ass but to truly hit 200 as a typical four by four 
it's not it's not normal, right? No. It just doesn't happen. And you know, to hit in that two fifteen, two twenty range, generally, like that one, I should I shot one in the neck in Alberta last year that they had an eighteen inch G two extra. Did you mean off. to shoot it there? No, um, <laughs> no. And then I cried like a bitch. But it only had that probably had a one sixty five mainframe, but it had six inch eye guards, and then it had an extra eighteen inches. So now it's a just a wow buck. Of course, it looks cool as shit because it's got this dagger. And it mm-hmm. was sticking above the red brush. I about popped my O-ring because I was there for 45 <laughs> minutes behind it. But to truly hit that, you know, when you start talking about trash and, and everything else, it's not that easy. So what are you looking for when you see a buck? What's the first thing you're looking for when you're scoring it? Instantly, I just tear down the frame mm-hmm. and just figure out what that frame is and then just add trash. I mean, it's just that simple. Make sure he's got eye guards, mass. I mean, it all just comes together you just look for the the you know four tines and the eye guards real quick so we'll we'll break that down because i've said that before and i get the deer in the headlights look because you'll hear frank and i say well it's a 160 frame buck but it's got 20 inches of trash which makes it a 180 buck well some of the some of the the trash really fools you know people and so when you when you break down the frame what are you looking at when you break down the frame for people listening in that don't know how to score? Because you, the way that mule deer score fronts are super important. Um, you know, you look at the main beam and to me, you get a 25 inch main beam and you got, you know, decent splits, you're 165, 175 bucks, somewhere in there. And like, when you're looking at them, what are you looking to hit that? We're going after this buck. How long a main, I mean, how long of a main beam, for example, things like that? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what's on his back. But, I mean, 24 to 25, you you would love to see that 26, 27-inch main beam and, you know, 10-inch G4s. And then, you know, you go back and look at his uh, G2s. And, gosh, it'd be nice to have him 18 and another 10-inch, 11-inch G3. I mean, this is a big deer. And, look, you know, a couple-inch eye guards and... And then just, uh, you know, look at that mass real quick and just see, you know, you'd love to get 20 inches of mass. And, but I mean, that's a, it's a hell of a deer. So what, what does it take for your guys to qualify to be on the, the Mossback crew? Do you quiz them ahead of time to make sure they know what they're talking about? Or does it usually referrals to guys that you trust? Um, you, to actually work for the company? Yeah. Yeah. Most of the guys, I mean, the emails and social media request to come work for Mossback is unbelievable. So a lot of it is, you know, we're considerate. We see who it is. We see if we need help, but a lot of it comes from the internal family of who's who, you know, is it their kid or is it their cousin? Because we do so much public land, we have to, the biggest thing is trust with us. Yeah. And I mean, so we try to keep it in the core and uh, so it makes a lot of difference. I mean, my son, he helps run this company now. And, I mean, um, you know, it's there's nothing greater than having your own family, your own son. Or How old is he? He's 31. How how long before you think you jump ship and let him take over? Any day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, he'd probably like me to leave sooner, but I love what I do. I mean, I love hunting every day and out there taking pictures. So, I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I mean, as long as I can walk, I want to be finding stuff. Even if you can't walk, you can find stuff from long, long distance out of the truck. So he took one in the neck. <laughs> that's the one, huh? See that I or that G two coming off? Yeah, so that's like eighteen inches. So with a stick bow, that's about as good as 
you're going to get. But like, great buck. Scoring that buck, I figured he had probably that 160 mainframe, and then he had 20 some inches of trash uh, coming off because his his mainframe isn't great; it's just good. But when I came over the hill and some, and I saw that dagger coming off, I was like, oh, he's he's going to die today, which he didn't. <laughs> but that was like, that a bow only. Um, yeah, that's a bow only tag in Southern Alberta. Frank and I. Too bad you didn't, um, couldn't finish him off. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, what that was just a, it was a, what, 18 degrees and 35 miles an hour winds oh, yeah. that day. It was horrible that day. I was stuck behind him. That's 18 yards for, I started to lose feeling in my hands and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to make something happen. I can't draw my bow. And, uh, baby gap was on the hill and. I had given him instructions, dude, when I hit the final friendly line of feeling my fingers and you see me doing this, it's Get better to blow him out, but have the chance. And he was so focused on the deer. He didn't see me raising my hand up. So I shifted over where, I don't know how much you've hunted that red brush, but there's usually a path they can take in. I got down that path and was like, I'm going to scoot it in and put it in by the last rib. Right when I shot the wind hit and I hit him, bow tied him. Um, oh. It was bad. And Nathan French was with us and a blizzard came in right after that. But you just don't get that many opportunities at deer, even like that one. And he's good. He's not giant. But when you guys are going after deer, I would say probably ones you pass up or what most people would kill for. You're not looking at anything unless it's pushing well over two, um, from what I've seen in your photos right. anyway. Right. It, it depends. I mean, um, you know, like when we're hunting the Arizona Strip, I mean, <laughs> you can't believe the amount of anything under 250 we wasn't even looking at yeah it's crazy so um, <laughs> look at frank's eye <laughs> you know utah utah and some of those things you know it's 220 plus and so you just never know i mean you, you take it for granted and you get kind of warped yeah or you really get warped and so uh, but it's uh i mean it's amazing how many special animals we've actually had the opportunity to see and harvest and walk up to and hold i mean it's I, I've, I've, we've talked about this on a podcast recently, not ours, a different one about you, you say you're, I wouldn't say you get warped, you're spoiled. Maybe you just, you, you look at deer that most public land hunters would kill for, which a 180 buck is a good buck. You're so used to hunting those ones that are pushing you know, high teens and, and you're like, oh yeah, it's a deer, whatever, where, but where you're at and the amount of effort you put into it, it's, it's just different. Um, I, it, it, cause I, over the counter and, and call it, when I say over the counter, it's all draw for mule deer. But you know, here there's a 200 inch deer in every unit. Sure, there might not be several. And if you fuck up on that deer, he's not coming back for a few days. Um, I don't know, Frank, where we're at. We basically one a year, maybe. Yeah, I've <clears throat> I've seen a couple. Uh, our buddy killed one of them that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we don't you don't see him too too often. But yeah, they're there. That's kind of why we keep going back. Yeah, the allure. I I. I last year got in the cliffs and I missed that wide bucket 12 yards because I was about to fall off the cliff and they shot it with a rifle. What did, What was it, 190? For having shitty fronts, it was 190, it was 32 wide. Hmm. But even that in a high country hunt is just, that's a, it's a gift, right? I mean, it is, but where you're at, um, I, well, how many, you're taking probably the governor's tag holder out of three or four states every year. Correct. For multiple species. Yeah. How often do you argue, how many times do you get in a uh, big dick swinging contest with other guys in your position of who gets the, the, the governor's tag? Um, you know, a lot of it, as far as the, the person who buys it. Yeah. 
a lot of it, if it's just like I know I got two or three bidders, once I know I have a couple of bidders, I kind of lay off my other guys because I don't want I don't want five of them going after it. But if it, <laughs> but if it's really like two or three, I say, hey, why don't you show up? You're going to spend two or three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just show up yourself? So you are bidding against him, and you know I'm not in the middle of it because yeah. I sometimes I don't like to be the middle guy because then they're blaming me. I'm just like, hey, it's the guy with the most, most yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's a uh, you know the the thing you just got to look at. I mean, it's uh, where the money's going. Yeah. And it's so cool when these guys come out here, and I, you know we're driving along, say say you see this fencing project along the freeway, or you see this burn, or see these reseed these chainings. That's what your money's doing. So. Yeah, a lot get, of people those guys forget that. Good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, I mean, it's probably, he did say two or $300,000. Um, what that Montana governor, Bighorn Tag, go for a few years ago? 380? Yeah. Something like that? Um, yeah, it was high threes. I was I was down there with, with Clay and a, and a crew. And, you know, people definitely degrade the whole putting a dollar amount on a on an animal, right? They don't, they don't like it, which I get. But, I mean... You get a governor's tag, uh, you know, bidding on the governor's tag, and then there's also raffle. I mean, you can get it with a dollar or ten dollars, sure. right? Exactly. Um, they give one to, for every one they sell, they give one away to the public. Yeah, yeah, and it, that gets raffled off, which that makes a shit ton of money too, because absolutely. <laughs> but that all goes back to conservation, and I don't. I think people forget that part. And I don't. I used to get a little irritated when I was younger and dumber, but now it's like, well, if they don't put all that money into it, I get the I mean, there's a lot of ancillary benefits of all the other game than then that one 250-inch deer, all the other deer getting to, uh, you know, getting the benefits of that as well. And I think people forget that. Well, I don't think people do. People do. They get jaded. But I, if you didn't raffle off those tags, you wouldn't have all that money. Yes, um, to do all those projects. And that, most of these states, the money's earmarked. It can't go to trucks. It can't go to fishing game salary. I mean, it has to go to conservation projects. So. Mm-hmm. And that's uh that's what's way cool about it. And it's not like, you know, I even sent out a text to all my guys yesterday. I said, guys, whether it's the guy who bought the tag or the guy who drew the tag, they need to be treated equally. Right. And you just bust your butt for both of them. It doesn't matter who's got the most money. You just go out there and hunt and uh, treat them all the same. And, I mean, we have hunts. I mean, people think we just charge these outrageous. I mean, we have a guide-only package that these guys who draw are $4,800. Yeah. Chad's used you before, and he, you know, he's super, very doable to, especially for a guy that out of state or doesn't know what he's doing or whatever, it's not so astronomical of dollar amount that no one can afford it except billionaires. I mean, yeah. So what are your price, roughly price packages? Do you mind talking about that? No, not at all. I mean, like I say, it's base is $4,800, five days. The hunter actually on that deal, he pays for his own food and lodging, or you have a $6,800, everything included. And then you add a spotter, it's $8,800. So, I mean, the most we ever, you know, our high-end stuff's, you know, about $88,000, $9,000. And then, you know, you, you get some of these guys that, um, buy these specialty tags say hey I want some scouting I want some trail cameras and uh, you know so there's just a lot more work into it but you know that's that's where our guides I mean they they love what they do yeah and they're out there anyway they're you know they love going finding these animals running trail cameras taking pictures of them and then uh, 
you know, go to the hunting part of it. So, I mean, our prices aren't that crazy. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's no different than really sending a bid in on a house. The more stuff you want on the house, the exactly. higher the price goes up. So the more spotters, game cameras, more scouting, the price goes up. Yep. Pretty simple. Actually, this is way off the subject, but Frank... While we have the man here, why don't you tell the story of the antelope hunt? I'm kind of curious on your take on this. What? Uh, with the blind and the dude. Oh, yeah, we it. just talked about this with the other guys. Um, a friend of mine, he hunt, He lives in Idaho, and public land guy set up a, um, a ground blind on a water hole out um, in the desert there. And apparently, just like here, the water sources are pretty limited out there. So basically you go out in the legal amount of time, set out your ground blind a few days ahead of season, and then you go out and hunt at opening day. Well, <clears throat> he set that up. He got it all set up. He shows up opening morning with his, his two sons, and he goes to get in his ground blind, and there's a guy sitting in there. <laughs> and, and he's like, yo, what, what's the deal? This is my blind. And the guy says, uh, I'm, from, I'm from Virginia legally. It's first come, first serve. I got no here. Way. I got here three hours ahead of, uh, of daylight. And I'm gonna sit in here today. Is that legal? And yeah, my buddy <laughs> sounds like my it. buddy crazy. <laughs> my buddy called the uh, game warden, and they said technically yes, it is legal. Um, wow! You, you can't lock your ground blind. <laughs> Only thing you can do is screw on. It's a plywood blind he built. You can screw boards and put them over the windows, and that's that's all you can do. You can't do anything else. So think about that. I bet. So in the case of with you, if that was you and you raised a ruckus about that, you'd be screwed because people would shit all over Doyle Moss and say right. he's picking on us, right? But I would have jerked that fucker straight out of the ground blind. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. That would not have gone well, which I would have got a ticket for because if it's legal. But Well, to me, it seems like the guy ethical. did it in, intentionally. He yeah. came came from out of state. He went drove around, found someone's ground blind, and then he said, I'm going to go get in there before that yeah, guy gets in there. Yeah, he learned the law. And knew he could get away with it. Yeah, there's a bit of ethics involved in that, which, I mean, I I get it. I'm, I, you know, it's different when you're in the NWT or the Yukon or or you need Northern BC. You don't have to worry about pressure, right? Where you're at, you've been flown in or taken horses, so there's no let's run. Before. And there's no other outfitters. Yeah, so there's no like the Mortal Combat of the Wasatch Front, right? <laughs> it's it's you, you don't have to rush it, um, but where you're at in a lot of you're dealing with the public in a lot of the Every spots day. Brett. Yeah. 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 You just got to be the better person. I mean, like that, you just walk away. I mean, the guy, the guy beat you his own, at your own game. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if I could have walked away from that I could either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you, you know, guys that don't do this for a living, uh, yeah, you probably, you would react different than us. And we just walk away and we just learned to very valuable lesson we just sleep, <laughs> we're gonna sleep in the blind next time <laughs> yeah. well i was just gonna say like we the guy that we're talking about, he's committed he'll he'll sleep in it i mean he's he's ready to roll but i've i've been on some hunts where well a few years ago i shot a uh you, well you shot a buck a couple three days before i did and then i tried to retire on the side of the mountain but we ran into hunters and we figured it out right we we worked a deal out it was super cool they become friends of ours it doesn't always work that way. And you, there's, man, that we called that one crew, this was in a fourth season rifle hunt, the Kuyu Mafia. So they couldn't glass for shit. This happened in Arizona last year. So they would glass us to see where we were glassing and then try and cock block us when they finally found it and, and cut mm -hmm. us off. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, if you suck so bad at glassing, you got to glass us to see. That happened with Levi and Jake last year. 
by the time it was said and done, we made memes about it. Uh, you know, the pre-runner desert uh, races where they're hauling ass. Right. That's what it looked like to park to get to glass. And Levi's crazy. He was driving fast, and we could see headlights moving. And this is like three hours before daylight. And I'm like, this shit ain't for me. Like, this is crazy. The funny thing was is they would beat us to the glass point and still couldn't, that wide buck, still couldn't find the buck. <laughs> it was, did you see that wide? Yeah, it was probably it was 32. It was a good buck, real good buck for an over-the-counter tag. And uh, it, it got to a point where I'm like, man, it's come to this. This is crazy. Like we were literally racing to park, racing up the hill, and we got beat. I'm like, geez, we're going to have to sleep on top of the freaking hill. And then we had illegals come through um, when we were when we were hunting. Uh, Did they bring you anything? Uh, I called in a Blackhawk on him. I, we did. We called Border Patrol. Really? I hadn't called in uh, coordinates like that in a while. So I still got it. it. Felt good. That that bird landed right on top of him. It really? was funnier than hell. Yeah, yeah. We called in from. Uh, I gave him a ten digit grid from the mountaintop we were on, and I ranged the illegals, and I said they're. 867 meters at 257 degrees from my position. Wow. And literally, we heard a bird coming in, and whoom, he swooped in right on top of him, and the bird's on the phone with us. And I'm like, dude, they're right there. They were bedded in the whatever you want. Everybody's got a different name for it, but buck brush. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an interesting deal. That was wow. my first time dealing with that. But, yeah, it was, it was comical. How much are you screwing around in Arizona? Are you there quite a bit? Yeah, I, I work on the strip a little bit with the governor's tags, but Chad Woodruff, he runs Mossback, Arizona, so he runs all of the rest of the hunts, all our deer and elk and buffalo hunts up there. So yeah. Are you are you mostly stick around in Utah and Nevada then? Yeah, I, I just mainly Utah, unless it's governor tag, then I go to the other states. But there's just guys that I have that run these other states, so that it's, you know, super micromanaged because I can't, you know, there's just so much going on, I can't do it all. Yeah. How uh, how much have you grown, and did you think you'd get where you're at um, when you started? You know, I had big goals as a youngster, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, from when I first picked up a video camera and wanted to make videos to, uh, you know, eventually, you know, getting the outfitting business. I, I started guiding, you know, really young, and um, <clears throat> I told my ex-wife uh, one day, I said, uh, you know, someday you're going to have to quit your job to help me run this company. And she says, you will never be big enough that I'll have to quit my job. <laughs> like two years later, she uh, quit her job and helped me. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. I mean, it's, uh, so, I mean, the goals were there and it's just been phenomenal. We got, you know, great family and friends and guides. And I mean, it's just grown into a monster beast, really. I, I can only imagine, especially if you got just 50 guys on the ground alone. Um, and is that total or is that just in Utah? It's pretty much Utah. The other states, you know, they might have 10 apiece, but if they get low, then we, you know, our, our main Utah guides, I mean, they're licensed in the other states too. So when we go hunt the, you know, it's just like when you when you guys go on a secret mission, you take your top 10. That's kind of what we, no, we, I, we take the the best of the best and they, we get to go hunt the biggest animals down what are you guys running for optics i'm trying to think of all the shit people are going to message me that i can head off at the pass so optics tripods that kind of stuff optics i mean it's 95 percent swarovski i mean just the cleanest uh 
you know, from their spot and scopes to the 15s or the 10s, and they just come out with a new line. And did you look through 12s. those yet? I haven't. I have not. But yeah. I've heard one of my guides has. He said it's phenomenal. It's fucking depressing because I have <laughs> so much shit. I just sold my 15s and my ELs. Um, yeah, I did order a pair of the 12s. So. That's that's what I bet Frank you'll go to. So what's crazy is those 12 by 42s are wider field of view than my 15s. Really? And it was. Normally, you know, I, I I like SLCs. I don't like that field flattener as much. Um, and and Frank and we run Zeiss and Swirl. Those are our two. And I've got some Noctavids, uh, which are good as well. It all depends on your eyes. But Frank can glass as good as I've. It's probably three to one. Frank on binoculars with a tripod. He just picks out things that. I mean, I'll, you're probably like that. There's certain guys that you're just like, son of a bitch. What the <laughs> hell? How did I miss that? Well, Frank's got great eyes, so. We usually run Zeiss SFs, SLCs, or ELs, and then we run that big 95 Zeiss or the 95 Swirl. I don't use the BTX that much just because I got the 15s, and I don't want to pack that big bastard. But, um, you know, we, I run an outdoorsman tripod. You got an outdoorsman head uh, and a Getzo tripod. What are you guys running for tripods? Uh, we use that. Um, I actually use that Monfrotto. Yeah, the, the big bastard? The, well, the, the big heads, but then um, – What's the tripod the photographers use? Really the, right stuff. The swinging oh. thing. Like, oh, you yeah, uh, the arm, the gimbal arm. Gimbal. No shit. I use that, and I can. The other the other optics I use that I love is my Koas. Yeah. Thirty two wide angle, and so all I do is just raise that arm up where it misses, and those Koas sit on top, and then I just lower it down when I'm shooting my photography. But that I love that the gimbal on that thing. Yeah, you're not packing that 10 Wimberly. miles in. Wimberly. Wimberly, yeah, yeah, they make a hell of a gimbal. Head. Yeah, no, that that's for about a mile, mile <laughs> and a half from the truck. <laughs> yeah. But it's a great thing. I just grab my uh, my spotting scope when it's time to go kill it. Yeah, yep. Because, yeah. And, that you know, even the Swarovski BTX, I mean, I love Swarovski, but that BTX is dark. Yeah. I mean, in low light. Yeah. So... It's, I'm glad you brought that up. We we did um, kind of a comparison between that new Zeiss 95 and the Swaro, and we run. I mean, both are great. What's crazy with that Zeiss? It's got better legs for it's brighter with uh, it, it, at higher power. Um, where Swaro is brighter at lower power, but they built that Zeiss to have higher higher, higher uh, better light transmission transmittance at at higher power, which. You know, whatever you're picking, fly shit out of Chile. They're both really good, but I'm just not a, a BTX guy. It just wasn't for me. I, I like 15s um, on a tripod compared to a BTX. Not only that, it's the size of a fucking baby. I mean, it's right. giant. And people ask us all the time yeah. to make a. Will that fit in this pocket? But I'm like, dude, oh, there's not much that's going to fit in when it's fully assembled. <laughs> yeah, it's big, but it is the, uh, big. The um, I think glassing too is just something that. Well, we talk about this all the time, but um, you'll run into guys that just haven't seen anything that have been on the mountain. We have a buddy that 10 days on a mountain in an area we know where he didn't see one buck. And he had that high country rifle hunt they have here uh, that's in bow season. It's just glassing. And I mean, nothing, I mean, I, I get it when people run lower end optics, if that's all you can afford. But when people bring up two or three different companies that, hey, is this as good as a, a swirl or a zeiss i'm like no it's no not. It's whoever's not. telling you that shit is lying it's not and at low light or or longer distances i mean if you don't know what you're looking at i can see how you might think they're the same but man when you're behind an optic for 14 hours 
you know the difference. And I, I mean, I, I would assume you're probably spent more time behind optics than anybody on the planet. I mean, 14 hours behind optics, you're going to know if your optics are good. You have migraine and puking in four hours if you got crappy ones. Exactly. I mean, it's a, uh, and even me, I've just like sometimes gone back and forth and I'm like, you hear about this great 15 and you get it. And one day you're just like, oh my gosh, I got to get rid of this thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you got to pay the money and there's a reason why you're paying extra money. And that's because the glass is so amazing. Yeah. I, I, well, it's what you, you've got SFs this year in that big Zeiss, right? Yeah. The SFs and the RFs. Yeah. And, uh, those are good too. The Zeiss makes great sure. optics, but I, I just, um, you know, trying to explain to people if you don't, if you're not behind optics very often, then yeah, it probably doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. As much, but the one thing why Tiburon Island, that place is horrible to glass at heat waves and it's hotter mm. than balls anyway. You don't want to sit anywhere because it, it's so damn hot, but the, you know, the other thing that's, you know, like with that, it is very worthwhile to have 10s, 15s, and a 95. Right. Just because of what you're looking at. That and the fucking tag's $95,000, so you obviously want to find something. But, I you know, if you're not counting annual eye or inches, then, you know, we, we suggest to people, and I'd be curious to get your take on this, you know, they'll have a set of $1,000 binoculars and they're going to buy a $1,000 spotter. I always tell them to just sell the binoculars and spend... 2500 bucks or buy good binoculars like Swarozer's eyes get them on a tripod and you're better off than running a, a crappy spotter what, uh, what's i your... would i would say absolutely yeah the, the spotting scope is going to be your you know final key i mean you can see deer with most binoculars you might not be able to see the detail but the detail is going to come when you throw your spotting scope on it and you crank that thing up and then i mean you need to be able to see it. you need to be able to see in low light i mean that's what Half these animals, I mean, some of them are coming out a few minutes before dark and they're going in the trees right before and you got to hurry and get on them quick. So, I mean, a lot of binoculars, you can find them. But I I was surprised too when I was younger. I mean, I, even guiding, I still had Bushnell for a while. Yeah. And the second I got a pair of good binoculars, I was like, wow, that deer is laying there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's, it's, it's true, though. I mean, we, we were on a mule deer hunt, a uh, Pinch and I, and a guy was running, you know, mid-tier binoculars, and Pinch and I are like, oh, he's got he's weak up front, but he's not bad, and I don't see him. I just I can't see him, and I'm like, how can you? He's standing silhouetted. What do you mean you don't see him? Well, it was lower light, and, uh, you know, the – You've got the different aspects of the, you know, there's how much light it's letting in, chromatic aberration. And, you know, people don't understand when you get, like you talked about the last few minutes, if you truly want to test optics and we're lucky enough, everybody sends them to us, put them on your front porch and, and look at a sign 400 yards away and bounce back and forth, you know, from one optic to the next as the sun's going down. One's going to be about 15 minutes different than the other and people are like 15 minutes that's not worth 1500 bucks i'm like bullshit it's not that is because that 15 minutes is probably the most key 15 minutes of the day exactly and uh, if you're gonna do it hardcore if you're gonna do it professionally you just save the money and get it i mean it does any you know to the binocular you know 10s 15s or and your spotting scope just spend the money because it you will I mean, you're going to find so much more, and the guides are going to find so much more. Yeah, when those the Pure's uh, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gears down the road and the rep came over, 
and I, Chad was with me. Um, we went over and, and we, we had them all out and I didn't think I'd probably switch cause you know, good glass is good glass. But the biggest thing was one twelves fit in a small bino harness and they're about, I don't know how much, seven, eight, 10 ounces lighter. Well, then an equivalent, they're half the weight of a 15 and the field of view was bigger. So, you know, I did the normal, I popped them up and picked a fence row and I, I'm like, there's no way. And I, I, I don't adjust my cups out. I keep them down for a wilder field of view. Exactly. Um, that's the first thing I was like, these are wider than the 15s. That sucks. I'm going to have to sell my 15. So I, I ordered 12 pures just cause you can, you can, I was amazed hand hold them so you can run them on the chest and hand hold them and they're They've got this forehead thing that looks stupid as shit, like when you get an eye test. But believe it or not, when you put them up against your face, that thing rests on your forehead and it steadies it up. You look goofy as shit because really you got does. a square thing on. Because uh, are you, which company is that? That's Swore, those pure. Oh, the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, because even the uh, the BTX had them, and I instantly took those off on the BTX. I, I did too because I don't. I didn't. The, I was laughing. I'm like, man, I'm not going to use that, but. And I, and I may not, I may put it on the pures when I'm behind them a lot because I just didn't, I'm used to having the eye cups down. So it didn't affect me that much because I've never ran the eye cups up. What screws me up when somebody, my wife runs the eye cups up drives me crazy because I got to screw them down every time. So I've gotten used to putting the bridge of my eye on the, on the eye cup, but they are significantly wider than the 15s. And I, when we looked through them, I couldn't tell a light gathering difference. There's got to be some because it's a 56 compared to a, you know, a 45 or whatever Correct. it is. But they, I was surprised. I think you'll like So them. you think um, just even skipping the 12s and just going 15s on the chest? Uh, no, no. I think I'm going the other because I can't run 15s. I'm not steady enough. Oh, okay. I'm selling my 15s. You're going to do the 12s all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's what I ordered. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I ordered was do. the new the new twelve. I may the, run eights the, in the whitetail woods, right? But yeah. yeah, the downfall is it doesn't have a rangefinder. Yeah, well, and hopefully they do soon. Let's talk about that. So for me, it's not <laughs> worth losing the optical clarity running, even the Zeiss, which is Zeiss glass a little better, I think, than the Swaro in their EL ranges. It's not used to. I'm not. I don't want to lose the optical clarity to run a rangefinder in it. So at first, I I tried them, and you, Frank still has them. You don't like that rangefinder either, do you? The RF. Yeah, I mean you you prefer a handheld rangefinder over than running the RF. Yeah, it's it's weird though. You get you get so used to having the rangefinder on the binos though, because yeah. when I was out antelope hunting last week, I'm clicking. The I'm looking at it and I go to click, and I'm like, fuck, man, <laughs> I want to know how far these things are. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like that. I like having that for for rifle hunting but for archery i think i like the handhold yeah what about you do you like that rangefinder inside i just love it that it's right there i mean i can i can just instantly tell my hunter the distance distance you know so it makes it easier that way because i'm rattling off a lot but i'm tired of having 10s and 15s yeah i mean i'm just like i'm with you gosh <laughs> let's just get it down to one you pack in 15s in a 95 six miles in socks balls yeah it's bad yeah I mean, just just cut some weight and get rid of one optic. But you know, then you got the rangefinder. I mean, you hope it works. I mean, these. <laughs> How often have you had that happen? Oh, it's happened. I mean, <laughs> there's times you know you just click and not get it, and you just beat it a little bit, and then it clicks. <laughs> but you get a little worried when someone said, "How far?" and you're just like, "Hey, it's not my fault." <laughs> well. 
would you pay? Uh, so obviously, financially, I'm doing better than I was as a kid, right? So I would pay an additional two grand for an NL Pure range-finding binocular with the same glass that the NL Pure has with the non-range-finding. Does that make sense? Because they in the EL, Swaro EL range, the glass is not the same as the ELs. They're losing optical clarity. They've they've downgraded the glass. Well, I knew Leica did the same thing. I all, mean, it was just terrible. So would you pay the extra money to have a, you sure, know, sure. pure with a rangefinder, an extra two grand, so you'd be paying 5500 for a rangefinding yeah. optic? Yeah, you'd only need one the rest of your life. What do you think, Frank? <laughs> but uh, a lot <laughs> of people wouldn't. I don't have that wouldn't. kind of money, but yeah, I think it would be smart for sure. I think for a lot of guys, they'd, they'd sell. I would, I, would, I would sell everything I had to run a 12 power. 12 say, power. I, I sell just, all optics. I had. Balls. I'm like, why is nobody building this a 12 power with a rangefinder? I mean, it's the ultimate Western binocular, 12 power with a range. Just please, somebody build <laughs> well, one. Believe it or not, all the uh, optics companies do listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know how I got my Leicas? <laughs> I bitched about Leica, and uh, it was awkward because um, I talked about their customer service sucked. Oh, and now it's better. It is a lot better, and Good. he told me that when he called me, and I was I was in Alabama hanging out in a tree, and uh, he said, hey, I just listened to your podcast. I bashed the shit out of him, <laughs> and um, I said, well, man, I tried to get a hold of you guys like eight or nine times just to get uh, a, an Octavit or to, to run a comparison, and I was like, look, man, I, I, I just bought them. I said, I just I got tired of screwing with you guys, and an Octavit showed up the next week, um, which was super cool, and they hired 300 people for their warranty uh, department to help out with that, which says something about Leica. I mean, that's cool that they're trying to get, you know, better. Um, it's weird, though, when I picked up Leicas, and I'm curious what you think about this, the color of the animal is different, you know, from Swaro to Zeiss to Leica. I was missing animals originally because that color that pops when oh, you're really? looking, especially bighorn sheep, and it's not it was a bad color. It's just a different, different color, color than a Swaro, and I'd ran Swaro so long I was missing animals originally because I was used to that one specific color popping out. You ever noticed that, or have you just been swirl the whole time? No, I've I used to run Leicas. I can I can tell I can grab somebody's uh, any binocular, and it's just not everybody has their own little color code in there. I don't know what it is, but it's a little bit different. So I don't know, but I was missing shit. <laughs> I, maybe I'm, maybe you can sue them, see if they. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, that's probably yeah. feasible. I might win. Uh, but I, the top three, definitely with the Zeiss, Leica, and Swaro, there's nothing comparing to, to those. I mean, they're just, just not. And I, and I get it when people want to try to save money, but if you're going to do it, like you said, as a profession or serious, you got you got to spend the money. Just spend the money. How much How much um, for what would you say you have on you in opt? Don't rob Doyle now, but what would you say you've got <laughs> you got on you for optics I and camera gear? I would be sick if anybody broke into that truck. <laughs> 15s and 10s and the Koas and the 95 and my camera gear, I would just be one sick. Boy. So that's got, what's that lens? It's 15, 16 grand. Isn't yeah. The, the camera set, the can, yeah, the 1DX, I mean, you're almost 20 with that thing. And then the, the Koas, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even like to add it up. Yeah. I don't I even. You, you might be better about. off if they take the truck and they left the <laughs> Oh, and, left the and, the, and the gun works is in the gun. In the gun. <laughs> Yesterday there was two gun works. In the <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about that. But it's a little yellow Volkswagen bug, so yeah. go look for that. Well, uh, my, my wife wasn't a hunter when I met her, and uh, she's pretty spoiled, right? She's running Noctavids, and she's got the new loophole angle range. Anyway, 
I said, hey, we should get insurance for this. Shit. Absolutely. And uh, oh, okay. And you know, I said special insurance, and the, she didn't know how much that shit. Cost. So because she was running Noctavids twenty four seven. Well, she, I think they're thirty eight hundred bucks. So when I gave her the list of what we had to insure, she she bought shit in her hand and wiped it in her hair. She was like, <laughs> what? And I'm like, well, honey, they don't give that away. But she missed all the poverty years of running crappy glass and just got handed. She spoiled. So, like, when I saw that dollar amount, I was like, fuck, I'm making sure I lock my door for the rest of my life because it is quite a bit of money. And even— What do they add that to, your homeowner's insurance or your yeah, renter's it's insurance? A, it's an additional homeowner's insurance or renter's. You do it either one. But you think, like, we went on stocks and, and you leave your spotter to, oh, to go man. and you're, like, paranoid the entire stock. Someone's going to find your shit that you left to go on a stock. And we're in the wilderness, so it's not as probable. But where you're at, there's— little ninjas running around everywhere so you you about got to leave a, a guard on your crap I yeah think. you just throw a couple trail cameras around your truck and go <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good idea yeah what trail cameras you guys run um we've been running stealth a lot and then um tacticam just came out with a badass one i mean that thing is amazing for the price it's a cell camera and uh i mean you're just getting pings all day long what's going on that's uh that's kind of cut down my labor cost with all my guides running around they can just get a text instead of paying them three hundred dollars a day to go check a camera i'd say it saved me this afternoon hiking into mine yeah um but what sucks with mine i got a pack and a laptop that's the only negative on a stealth cam and it might be me i can't throw it in my uh sony and look at the pictures i gotta put it on a on a laptop yeah so i gotta what's your phone i mean i just i just read them on my phone real quick so the stealth I have, I can't transfer it over oh, really? to my phone. Yeah. So I, otherwise, it's an iPhone. I would be able to do it. But the stealth I I got, and I got to look at the model. I usually on on some of the like Browning and things like that. I would just pop the SD card out and put it in my my SLR or whatever my mirrorless and look at the photos. You can't do that with the stealth that I have. So I have to p- I pack a laptop in. Believe oh it or my not, gosh. yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Then I look like that one time the moose came in and I'm looking like harry potter running, and I, fuck, I look up and there's that water hole where you got the tree cam with the tree stands but that tactic cam we'll have to look at that yeah it's a great camera and the price is ridiculous how cheap that thing is and it takes a great photo um and you can just change the settings real quick a couple minutes on your app and it'll upload them the next day and i mean so it's a uh, it's phenomenal i mean it just saves you so much time and money you just go set it up once but you got to have either AT&T or Verizon service. So Yeah, gotcha. Well, I'm about to switch to AT&T. What kind of service do you have? Uh, all my guides pretty much run Verizon. There's uh, one little spot in uh, Nevada that gets better AT&T. But. I tell you, my house sucks with Verizon. I've had it for like 18 years or something, and I don't know what they did recently, but maybe it's my phone. Uh, but I was looking at going to AT&T because the thing with Verizon here is you know, people think, you know, we'll be many, many miles in and we can do a live Instagram story of what's going on because we're so high we can get to a tower. Um, where before, back in the day, I had a sat phone. I mean, I, right. So now I can at least get a in-reach message and climb up high enough to get cell service. Correct. I mean, there's somewhere to get cell service everywhere. I mean, you get 4G in a lot of the spots where you're at. Yeah, it seems like within the last four or five years that's that's happened. I didn't used to have service, and then when we started going back to that spot, we started getting more cell service and better cell service. Like the one rock that gets great service, it's your cell service. <laughs> oh, rock. you remember that rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I try to forget it because uh, 
the you know, as you can imagine, the phone goes off for four hours and your battery's just. Mm. Do you um you run any kind of like solar chargers or battery packs uh, when you're out there for especially if you're snapping a lot of photos through the phone? A little bit. Um, you know, we used to run Goal Zero a lot, and then um, it's that new company Black something out of Utah. I can't even remember what it was, but you know, as as a good battery pack, but. You know, I always have that little solar pack with me that I can plug it in if stuff's really going bad. But that's the beauty of, uh, you know, that inReach. Yeah. You know, for, for you know, uh, emergencies and a chopper. Yeah. I mean, you can normally get somebody, so. Yeah. We, it, what are you guys using? In, same. same yeah. yeah. I don't use, I use a RAV. Um, RAV power. Yeah, Rav Power solar panel kicked the shit out of that Goal Zero. It really close. It's like forty nine bucks. Yeah, really. And it well, and when you're at twelve thousand feet, I was trying to explain that when you're closer to the sun, it charges faster. Guys were like, "There's no way you charge your battery that fast." I'm like, "I can talk to Jesus face to face, guys. I'm at twelve five. I'm like, it charges quick up there." We yeah, the Rav Power, and then we have a couple anchor like 30,000 milliamp or whatever the hell they are, battery packs, it'll charge your, you know, phone 10, 15 times. So Rav power, huh? The thing that sucks is packing it in. Yeah, because when you're on a, you're packing out something that's worthless on the way back out because you've used every goodness out of it. But the the solar panels, what I've started doing with that solar panel is I, I carry this backup battery. I carry two. I leave this plugged into the solar panel all day. I get back, I just swap it out at night and I got a brand new, because this is 120% of the battery that's in the phone. Right. So that's helped out a lot, but. That's a Mopi? Uh, no, this is not. I can't, it's some off brand. I got it on oh, Amazon. Really? Yeah, and they're like 30 bucks. So I oh, bought really? four of them and I just have them charged all the time. That's and slick. Swap them out. But I, our issue is just the distance we're going in. It's already heavy as shit. And then we're adding, you know, for the greater good of Instagram, we're adding so people can live vicariously through us. The it's, greater good. <laughs> yeah. It's, dude, I don't know. what do we, we probably got 25 extra pounds of tech and optics pretty easy. Um, yeah, camera gear, GoPros. Uh, yeah. And this one spot we go in, we, we skip the trail and take a shortcut. It's steeper in the back of Christ's head, man. It's horrible. <laughs> what is it? It's a mile and 12, 1,400 foot elevation. Yeah, game. it's quite a bit. It's funny. That's actually the only shortcut I've ever used that's actually a shortcut. It sucks balls, though. He started doing CrossFit, right? And I'm not going to get any younger. How old are you now? Mm, 55. Yeah, so you, you got 10 years on me. Um, he started CrossFitting it up, and we took off. I, I had to let him pass me. I'm like, dude, go. Hey, I, you beat me up the three or 400 yards up the top of the hill. I was like, Christ, I'm not getting any younger. But it, it cuts three miles off the trail. Wow. But is it three or two and a half? quite a bit it's steep though it's real steep yeah we, we just, came down that with uh with my, your deer yeah he wasn't liking it uh, <laughs> i ate shit like three times we weren't gonna do it and literally i had like that moment of weakness remembering how far it was i'm like fuck it and i bombed off and the problem is it's that pea gravel and we probably had 100 pounds each coming down and you only you fell a couple times not yeah, too bad. two three times yeah yeah but when you guys with what with what you guys got, um, generally you got an animal down though. You can get four or five dudes to help you out right. relatively quickly. That's it takes a pretty good friend to See, say hike in seven miles and come help me out. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are hunting too far from the roads. That's the problem. I tell you what, anymore <laughs> with all the there's something to be maybe not for mule deer, but for elk, there's a happy spot that sure people are either the hardcore dummies like us are passing. 
or the people hunting off the road can't get to. Um, it's getting pretty competitive out there. Like we had, I had 13 hunters around me and we were hitting 10 miles in and we, we had a lot of competition. I was surprised and a couple of them hiked in just to see if they could find elk and we're going to hike back out and buy a tag. Talk wow. about motivation. I'm like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> There's right. no way. But it's definitely changed, you know, how these guys promote and you guys promote. I mean, uh, this CrossFit and running and gunning and, I mean, it's, there's a lot of hardcores out there that want to do it now. Yeah. We, you started what cross. I, he used to make fun of it with me, but now I, I can't make fun of him anymore. He kicked the shit out of me going up the hill. But was it two years ago? Last year. Last year. April. Yeah. It, uh, I think the one thing we preach more than anything is being fit doesn't do shit. You got to have no animal behavior and field craft. Cause I know a lot of fit guys that don't kill anything. You got to have the right total package. I got a lot of fat buddies that kill a lot of big shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, to backpack hunt, you need to be in a relative decent shape. But Harold is a guy we get on here frequently. I'd be, you know, and, and he's in, Harold's in good shape, but he, you know, he's just in good shape, right? He's on the mountain. But I, th- I think um, gear and fitness are pretty easy to glamorize pretty quickly on social media where you're not going to get a lot of glamour from learning how to score or learning to build a fire or learning any kind of field craft animal behavior. You can't flaunt knowing animal behavior like you can i don't know big biceps right you're not going to be able to you can't flex animal behavior where animal behavior is what gets animals on the ground like knowing what they're going to do where they're going to be and uh what do you think about that as far as the new fitness instagram craze with that yeah i mean it's um you know it, it gets people motivated and it gets people in better shape but i mean there's a lot more to it i mean i've I've taken some of these guys you know it was in montana on a bear hunt a couple of years ago and there's all these crossfit junkies and i mean they got their butt and i'm a you know i'm not in shape but i'm more mountain, mountain shape. shape yeah and uh i mean those youngins got their butts kicked. <laughs> <laughs> i was just like and it was a simple stock try to kill a bear and uh i was just like you know, and all I heard was for days about this CrossFit stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, so it's, uh, you know, and it's it's great. And like I say, it's great in a lot of ways. It gets people going and gets people jacked up. But there's a lot more to killing shit than that. What sucks with Frank is he was mountain fit and then he did CrossFit and that fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did the combo then. You're... Oh, Lord. Well, a lot of it too, like you talk about like mule deer. Um and Frank's a big mule deer guy, but the mule deer bed, I mean, sometimes three or four times before they bed for the for the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how many guys, and he, Frank's even had to cool my heels a few times where I'm like, he might stay, it's worth it. And he's like, I would stay, sir, do not go over there where how many deer get blown out because the first bed, that one set we went after, they were 500 yards <laughs> from the first time they bedded moving. You only learn that from screwing it up and um, – in the case of high country mule deer, that could be a mile and a half walk back with the cone of shame over your head before you, and you got to find more. And in your case, you may only get one opportunity on those big deer. They didn't get that big from being dumb. How, how often, if you guys blow one of those out, they take for them to reappear? It, it all depends on the deer. I mean, there's been some of those big older deer. It could be a long time. <laughs> I mean, like but, the w- weeks. Yeah. Week? yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it just depends on what they're doing, or it could be, you know, the next day, but he's, you know. A, a little smarter you, that you, day. <laughs> yeah. And then it, 
it just gets me more riled up. I'm like, you got away once, you will never get away again. And <laughs> you, you figure you on some of those big, older deer, you might only have two times and it's over with. I mean, he's gonna say, see you later, I'm gonna go nocturnal and you will never see my ass till the rut. So, I mean, you just, you go in with the attitude of killing and never like there's a second chance. Yeah. Now I, I would agree. And like I said, with the, the high country stuff, and we had a guy last year that came in that was not hammering enough. He was not fit. He got there. He couldn't go on a stock physically. Cause I don't think people realize how far was that stock you went on? It's probably a mile and a half from, from the glassing point. And you're already 10, 12 miles in. You're already beat. Time yeah. You get there. And then that one I blew out, I passed a deer. It was not my finest moment. He was watching me. I walked right by it. It looked like the picture I took, right? I, Oh, yeah, I need to go. This you way. stalked literally as far around the basin as you could go before it was cliffs, um, which that's where the deer was, but he had to go. That was a, I don't know how many miles that was, but it was that a long. Pushing three miles. It was a long ways. Far. So, yeah, for that one not to go uh, as planned, that sucked for probably the, the walk back. <laughs> Jesus, you, yeah. you blow one out like that, and you're you're already alone and food and hunger deprivate, you know, and then you fucked up. <laughs> you got it's just a, it's a mental game back in that country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and most people can't handle it. I mean, they're just. We're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> Frank's one of those odd guys that can, like, I think if Frank went on alone, he wouldn't come back on that show. <laughs> uh, you prefer, I mean, even like this year, I was like, hey, man, um, I ended up turning my tag to hunt elk, but he doesn't want me helping him until he's killed, and then he'll, he'll take pity and help me because I got the recurve, but. You've done some 12, 14 daners, they are solo. And, wow. Um, That's impressive. We're talking about, I've done three like that. By day seven or eight, you're talking to squirrels and shit. And if you run into somebody, <laughs> you're like chatting them up. Well, Frank's not like that. He just likes being back there. It's a little bit different. Yeah. But you've probably got a few guides like there, or, or scouters or whatever you want to call yeah. them. Yeah. Like some of them like to be left alone and that. But then some, I mean, if they don't, if they don't get a text or something, they're, just, they're, they're in trouble within a couple hours. Like, why isn't anybody love me? But, um, so yeah, some guys wouldn't last a day in that country. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different mental deal than we're used to. And, you know, we're just used to running and gunning. I mean, it's five days and you're off to your next and. I mean, there better be a nice hotel at the next one. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's, it's, uh, I admire you guys for doing that serious backcountry stuff. I mean, that's wicked. Yeah, it's definitely an acquired, acquired taste. He's going in solo this year because I, I, I'm doing a backpack elk hunt. So the thing is, is like, it is crazy. Like you're talking about, if I have a 300 inch bull coming in front of me, it's dying, right? Like I, I've got a recurve, not that I'm using it for excuse, but it's. Sure. I've taken some There's range There's a deduction away. there. Yeah, so I, uh, I Cody uh, Covey's going with me, and, and I he's like, dude, I'd really like to shoot a 350 bull. And I'm like, well, you've been in there. I'm like, I'm probably going to have to tackle you, dude, because there's a lot of bulls in there, but there's a lot of 280s, um, which public land Colorado is not a horrible bull. No. But, I mean, you're looking at bulls. You're looking at 380s, right? Is What's your minimum for a bull in a lot of those areas? It just depends on the unit. I mean, and that's that's one thing about our job is like one day, hey, we're hunting uh, 420 inch bulls, and the next day we might be in a 320 unit, yeah. and you better be damn excited, because <laughs> <laughs> you know because you know the 
client that's that's all that unit is and so you just have to you know change up i mean and it's unit to unit is has their different age classes and so you just got to be excited for the client and know that hey if we see a 340 bull it's a giant you better act excited when it's on the ground what's uh what's you got you probably don't want to talk about this any prospects this year that you're excited about um game cameras or or uh glassed up uh, there's a cu- there's a couple of bucks that we really want to get killed yeah. but the bulls i mean the bulls are down i mean they're killing them like crazy yeah uh, and they're just really knocking the elk herd down so it's not as great but as far as deer yeah there's some definitely some deer even though the deer are droughted a little bit this year in the west compared to last year but um yeah the bulls i mean we go we go kill some 370 to 390 bulls we're going to be really excited this year we yeah. did we did kill a 420 bull about three weeks ago yeah but um we're just going to be excited for whatever hits the ground right now and bulls yeah yeah i uh this year i mean it's been pretty dry here obviously just kind of paying attention it's every well i say western but not counting washington and oregon those states kind of suck anyway but maybe not the one aha but all three of the main four main primary states are drought years down yeah yeah well you were scouting recently you didn't see anything earth shattering where you no, were out, didn't you? no usually find a, a decent buck or two but nothing so far so yeah going in a little blind this year <laughs> <laughs> well cool well we've taken up over an hour of your time man we should probably get off the the horn here but where can people follow your uh adventures and uh you know what you're doing your photography all that stuff yeah on instagram facebook it's mossback outfitters and for the hunting mm-hmm. and then uh, Doyle Moss photography on the photography side. So I'd love to have you guys come check us out, man. Yeah. If you get drawn in Utah or Arizona or Nevada, we'd love to have you come hunt. Yeah. Well, if they get on your page, they'll see what, uh, or come to the Western hunt expo. If you want to stand and have your jaw hit the ground for a while, you guys are what you're bringing in 60, 70 animals that are Yes, they're all fresh animals killed. The you know just like this year, they'll all be fresh for February. So you need to come by and check it. And thanks for having me out here. You guys are doing a great job, great product, and it's pretty awesome. No, we appreciate it, man. I'm glad to, I'm glad to get you on. We've had requests to get you on before. I didn't know a way to get a hold of you, and I didn't figure you're in your own page so i didn't even bother messaging you somebody from doyle moss likes my photos occasionally i didn't know if it was you or somebody running your page so i'm glad to get you on and uh, yeah if, if anybody wants to kill anything giant definitely get a hold of, of doyle because you guys get it done every year so yeah thanks again man thank you guys